You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 137 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and today I'm hosting by myself. Everybody else had other things to do this week, and so um, we're just going to get straight to our interview pretty quickly. We're talking today with Brad Lominick, who is a leadership guru. So I know you're going to love hearing from him. He's going to tell us about his story, but Brad was formerly with John Maxwell and the folks at Enjoy, and then worked with Catalyst for years and was the director of Catalyst, still now consults with them and serves with them, but now he's doing his own thing. He's an author and a speaker and a blogger and a podcaster, and so I know you're going to love to hear what Brad has to say. But before we get to the interview, I have a couple things to update you on. First, uh, if you are a part of the MXU 75-Day Challenge, we are now a third of the way through. So we crossed over day 25. We're coming up to day 30. And so for those of you who are in with us, I can tell that you're probably starting to feel pretty good. Uh, We've had several comments so far from people about how the journey has impacted them so far. And it's just been incredible to hear some of the stories and just to hear some of the specifics of what guys are going through. Um, We got a great message from our friend Zach, who said one of his successes is, and I'll quote this, I've started praying a lot more for more than just myself, my family, and my church. Since joining MXU recently and watching the MXU live stream back, it's weighed heavy on my soul that we are a team, regardless of church building, name, or denomination. So he's understood, as just from being a part of MXU, that this community is way more than just him and his church. So he has been called to just pray more for all of you, and I think that's awesome. One of his struggles is that you know he drives a truck for a living and has a lot of time sitting, and so to find time to walk and move around has been a bit of a struggle, but you know... That's just part of it. You know, we're we're really calling people to uh, move more. And as we stack these habits, we're going to be exercising more and more. So, you know, if it means pulling over and taking a break and walking for a few minutes and not not sitting down all day, you know, that's just part of it. So, Zach, thank you for your encouragement. We're just we're praying for you. We're with you. We got a lot of folks who are in the same boat. So thanks for sharing. Another is uh, our friend Benjamin said, I forgot how much walking makes a difference for me. Not walking to log miles, but walking just to move and get outside. Mentally, physically, spiritually, it helps so much. You know, that is so true for so many of us. Um, One note, if you guys have missed Dr. Barrett's Facebook Live sessions, you got to go check them out. So go to the MXU AVL Collective on Facebook, uh, because every Sunday night, he's been doing some really helpful live video sessions. So you can go back and watch the replays. But he's talked about uh, stubborn weight that's hard to lose. He's talked about adrenal stress and how much just stress and anxiety uh, is is bad for us physically and some great tips on how to alleviate some of that. Uh, we've talked about box breathing coming up, which is one of our habits that's coming. And so he talks us through best practices for managing that. There's just a lot of things in those sessions that you're going to find helpful from working out to eating well to uh, how to sleep better and all that. So so check those out if you haven't already because the information there is super helpful. Also, we've got an MXU workshop coming up. So if you are a SSL live console user or you're interested in SSL or you just want to learn more about other consoles, we're hosting an SSL certification workshop. So the team from SSL is going to be at MXU HQ, and we're going to offer an all-day workshop where you can leave being certified in how to operate an SSL live console. So go to getmxu.com and find the workshop there and sign up because I know that you would really enjoy the experience. Also, to give you an update on what I've been up to, uh, I was at MXU HQ earlier this week doing some videos uh, on the SSL Bus Plus and the SSL Fusion. So I had never really used outboard gear before in a live setting. And I got to tell you, these boxes are super impressive. I can't wait for you to see the uh, walkthrough videos and the how-to videos that we did on the Bus Plus and the Fusion because this thing sounds 
amazing. So I'm going to have the opportunity to take those with me on the upcoming Songs of Worship tour with Chris Tomlin. Uh, We actually were rehearsing this weekend, getting ready for the shows that are coming up. So if you're in a city that the tour is coming to, I would encourage you to come see the show. Chris and the guys have prepared a great evening of worship. We're going to be in churches, so it's a little different. We're not in an arena. So it's a very intimate setting, a very intimate set. Chris is going to tell a lot of stories and sing a lot of songs. And if you're going to be going, hit me up because I would love to hang out. I think I'm going to have some time to meet folks and hang out a little bit. So if you want to come by and say hi, please let me know because I would love to connect. In fact, we may find a way to do kind of an MXU meetup at some point uh, in one of the cities. So check out chrystomlin.com and you can see all the cities and all the dates. And I hope to see you there. I would also be remiss if I didn't mention what's happening in the MXU platform. So if you're not an MXU subscriber, you need to be. Uh, We have changed our structure a little bit in terms of the memberships. And so, you know, you've heard us talk on the podcast a bunch about how much this platform is for teams. So we've changed our model so that even the cheapest subscription includes up to 10 volunteers for your team. So even at the $19 a month starter membership, you will be able to give 10 of your volunteers and staff access to the platform. It's amazing. And then our basic subscription, which is one level up from that, allows you to actually upload up to 10 gigs of your own video content. So we've talked about this feature a bunch. It jumps to 20 volunteers and staff and up to 10 gigabytes of your own content. So if you have a special message that you need to send for a new volunteer or some training on a specific process or workflow in your systems, you can upload those to the app and it'll be a part of the MXU library in your login. So again, we're adding more and more features all the time. Over the next few episodes of the podcast, I'll be sharing even more of what's to come because we're adding features all the time. Our team is doing an incredible job, not just in adding features that are cool and that look good on the website, but that are actually helpful. You know, our biggest thing is to help teams get better. And so I just want to give a shout out to our team because of the work that they're doing. They're working diligently and feverishly to implement more and more of these new features. So I can't wait to tell you more about them. And they'll be releasing really all throughout the spring. So I'm super excited about that. Anyway, that's all I have for today. So let's get to our interview with Brad Lominick right after this message. Sitting for long hours can be a real pain, literally. That's why we love stealth chairs from Ergolab. They are designed to provide unparalleled support to music and production professionals, promoting proper posture and minimizing fatigue, reducing chronic back and neck pain, and increasing circulation to the legs. The chair's floating lumbar-shaped backrest with a spring-loaded floating mechanism massages the user's back muscles to increase blood flow and disc hydration keeping the back refreshed during extended work sessions. Clear out your old uncomfortable office chair and make room for the ultimate ergonomic experience with the Stealth Chair from Ergolab. Well, I'm thrilled today to be joined by my friend, Brad Lominick. Um, I've known Brad for a long time through his work with Catalyst and other events and conferences, as well as just being around North Point and Passion for years. So, Brad, thanks so much for being here today and for just encouraging us in what we're talking about today. Absolutely, man. Listen, we have known each other for a long time, and we both have a – I think your your golf passion may may be even stronger than mine, so – it's kind of both of our main hobbies, I think. Like, yeah. In fact, when I look at your website in your bio, like your like your your dream vacation is golf in Scotland or Ireland. Yes. And I was disappointed to see though that your dream foursome does not include me. Well, you were number five. <laughs> so you just missed the cut. Man, well, that's the story of my life. I've missed <laughs> the cut in a lot of ways. But um Again, thanks for being here and talking to us. For people who don't know you or don't know uh, about you or, you know, H3 and what you're doing, just give us a little bit of history. Like, yep. what 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 got you into ministry in the first place? Um, some about just general biography, but then also, 
you know, your work in ministry that led specifically to focusing on leadership? Well, as many of us, this happens where you meet somebody in your 20s, especially, and they're, yeah. they're truly a catalyst. So for me, it was, it was getting connected to Enjoy and John Maxwell's organization 20, 20 plus years ago. And uh, at that point, you know, I was working for a little small boutique consulting firm and Enjoy was one of our clients. And I was always kind of connected, Jeff, to or felt a connection or draw to leadership, but I never really sort of saw it as a career or something I could do sort of vocationally. Um, yeah, because back then leadership wasn't really like a general category of anything. It was like yeah. some people were good leaders and a few people had written books and, you know, certain pastors were were known as great leaders, but leadership wasn't like a a degree program or right. uh, you know, that was for the business world, right? Like yeah. talking about leadership was, you know, Patrick Lencioni and those kind of guys, but in yeah. ministry it was it was not quite the same thing at that time. Yeah, and and, and people like John Maxwell and and even Rick Warren and Bill Hybels and many others sort of came along and created conferences and events and and really like spaces to talk about leadership. So for me, yeah. getting connected to John, uh, you know, we 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 were doing a bunch of conferences. Catalyst became one of those in the early two thousands, and then you know Gabe Lyons and several others were involved in that in the beginning. And um, after a couple of years, I stepped in to help lead it. And that really gave me my arc. I mean, truly. Yeah. Like without that connection point, I would have not ended up in sort of the space I'm in. Um, so I didn't. I didn't set out to be a leadership author. Like it wasn't a career. It, it, I didn't even know it was available. Right. Um, right. Or to even be a podcaster, or to to you know sort of, I guess a thought leader in that space. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's when we first met, I think, was around some of those first Catalyst conferences that yep. I was a part of, because I served on the production team yes. for some of those initial events back when the conference was hosted at North Point. Like that's it right. Was, Early days. You know, before, it, before it was in a, an arena size event, it was, yep. you know, John and Andy and some <laughs> other speakers would come in and, you know, it was it was a lot smaller, but super effective. Like I remember... And I think a lot of people who are in production who do conferences at their church or who are a part of bigger conferences, um, for me, it was just always an honor just to sit and listen to the content. You know, I was there for audio production, but just to hear from all of those kinds of people and the heavyweights, like these are the guys who are literally writing the books that we're all reading and just to hear their their heart for the church and their heart for leadership and just the practical application stuff. Like I know that yeah. my my late 20s and early 30s were really shaped by the content itself. And to be able to walk away from those events with the latest book or the latest idea or just encouragement was just so huge. So I can only imagine for you being in the center of the sort of hurricane of all of that, you know, how that shaped you in terms of your personal leadership and leading yourself had to have been just formational. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I had a lot of times where I didn't, I didn't feel up to the, to the task of actually leading something because I, I wasn't even myself a healthy leader or even a effective leader. You know, I mean, yeah. it felt like I was trying to build a plane and fly it at the same time and truly like figuring out my own sort of mantra of leadership and, how I wanted to be effective and, you know, trial and error is so much a part of that. And, and most sure. of us, most of us truly at the end of the day, when it comes to leading teams and, and, um, being effective as a, as a, as a boss, a manager, a leader, a CEO, uh, you know, what, whatever position you, authority you have, um, reality is, is most of us are, are figuring it out as we go. True. Yeah. And if you ever run across a leader who, thinks they have it all figured out, they probably don't. They're probably... Yeah, don't, they're just faking it. Oh, my gosh. The, the imposter syndrome is very high. Tr yeah. Typically, if that person, if, you, if you're getting that air about them that they've, you know, they know what they're doing. So, and, and this, is, this is true in, uh, more today than ever. 
that 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 level of humility and that posture of hey I do know I'm in charge like I'm going to make a decision I'm not going to off shucks it but but I I don't want to I I I need you everybody to understand that that I'm equally um, in a place where I'm trying to figure this out like you are and it gives you actually That's so much so street cred way yeah. more than it ever did before so totally you know cuz I think there was there was a time and maybe this still happens I'm you know I'm a little bit away from that world now but um, in church conference world or, you know, somebody who goes to everything, right? They're, they're at Catalyst, they're at Passion, they're at Orange, they're at whatever other events that are happening throughout the church calendar. You know, they come home with all the resources and all the stuff and yeah. it's easy, it's easy for them and the people around them to think that they've just, you know, proximity to those things means <laughs> right. that they're actually behaving that way. And it's yeah. like, you know, at some point you have to go, okay, is this really a part of how, what I believe and how I lead and how, because everybody, you know, I, we talk to production folks primarily in this, in this audience. And so, you know, they may not be at the top level of leadership, but they are leading something. Yeah. And I think everybody, even a volunteer at a church is responsible for leading something. And yeah. it may be just the ways in which they lead themselves and the way they lead their families. And you know those those lessons of leadership can be impactful to all of those aspects of what we're called to do. So, you know, there's there's this interesting line to me between like going to the thing and taking credit for sort of checking the box, and it's like, okay, I went and heard Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle and John Maxwell and Rick Warren, and I read all their books and all these guys. But the application part is always, you know, that's it. It's like it's like it's like a kid. It's like Knowing right from wrong is not yep. the thing. Doing right from wrong is the point. Yeah. So, you know, how do we get beyond just information and how that leads to actual implementation and transformation, hopefully? Because that's it's it's easy to get sucked into the wrong side of that equation. Yes. And even what you said about, you know, you were you were on the team for many years at Catalyst. Like you and you were on the team of a bunch of different conferences and um, but we tried to live out with our team, so many of whom were not on our team, but they would come together for a conference. And we, we actually really wanted to live out that premise of well, let's, let's actually like, you know, create a great culture for people yeah. who actually want to be part of this. And, um, and we were working out a lot of those kinks, you know, for me personally, like I'll give you a couple of examples. I mean, I was, I was, I was not, uh, I was really like, a bit schizophrenic as a as the leader of Catalyst and then playing the executive producer role for all mm-hmm. those years. I mean, I, I would get so sort of like stuck in wanting to be on time and and you know, I'm I had a hard time not wanting to control everything. And of course Brian Perkle and many of you who would be at front of house, you know, I would mosey back there <laughs> and I'm sort of like I got the I got the planning, you know, the the run sheet. And, yeah. and he would, you know, very appropriately look at me and go, Hey, we got it. Like, right. we know what we're doing here, Lamanek. Like we're professionals. And I knew that in my heart, yeah. but there was still part of me that just wanted to micromanage. I wanted to, you know, over index on my, like on my thought process and making sure everybody had it all together. And I had to just, yeah. I had to come to the point as a leader that I was content and that I was willing to let people do their job really well. And that's good. It, w- it was a big part of my own journey, you know? Yeah. Because that's not necessarily like it, it feels like a compromise at the time because you're having to let go. Yes. But it's actually em- empowering and it that's emboldens right. people to actually lead in the way that they're called to lead. And yes. So it's this, it, it's this casting vision for shared leadership where it's like, yeah, you're the authority. And if we're, if we're going 30 minutes over time, then yeah, you have to decide what we're going to do. I mean, that's, that's the, the, the practical side of it that's yeah. important. But from a, from a philosophical standpoint, it's like, man, if you've surrounded yourself with the right team, then you have to somehow let them do what you've asked them to do because they are professionals, right? They are experts. Yes. So let them leverage their expertise for the greater good of the whole 
and it's going to be great. But man, that letting go is sometimes really difficult because you do have a vision for what you see as where we need to go and how we're going to execute and all those things. And it's, it's a challenge. And I think for so many production people, you know, the, the production team, the, the person who is producing the, um, you know, whatever role you're setting in, um, being able to speak appropriate and healthy truth and, and lead up back to who, whoever that person is, whether it's somebody like me or it's a senior pastor, it's a teaching pastor, it's, it's the creative pastor, the, the ability to have that, um, the, the permission to, to speak with clarity and candor while also honoring them is a really delicate balance. And I would yes. just encourage people like figure out, you got to figure out how to do that well. Um, but, but don't ever shy away from it. That's if they're a high capacity leader who is, who is actually functional, they want that from you. If they're insecure as a leader, they still need it from you, but they may not yeah. know how to tell you that they want it from you. That's interesting. So, if you're dealing with somebody who's maybe a little bit on the dysfunctional side, maybe a little, I don't want to use the word narcissistic because that never happens. But <laughs> if there's if right. there's a leader who's a, a little prideful or yeah. a little um, like this is their show and you're here to just sort of execute yeah. what they have in mind, but they're maybe off track in what the right decision is. Do you have any like advice on how to move the needle on that because that is a tension i think that a lot of church tech directors specifically might feel is that you know leadership is going down this path for this whether it's a sunday or a general you know sermon series or even just the the culture of the church and i see it getting a little sideways and i really need to speak into this but i feel like i'm hitting a brick wall like what's how much of that is just a matter of style and communication style, and how much of it is, okay, here's some actual concrete things that you can do. Yeah, it's a great question, and it's a constant tension, for sure. And it, it, it just is, because people who are primarily communicators, or creatives, or whatever, they, they have an opinion. Um, right. I, I, think, I think always, um, again, clarity is, clarity is kindness. Right. You know, clarity is crucial. Don't, don't, like we want to be nice, especially in the church and in the Christian world, we end up being nice, but that's not helpful many times. So right. I, I need, I, you know, again, I, if I'm, if I'm in that person's shoes, the tech person who's trying to lead up, um, I want to ask for permission to be able to speak that truth back. So I'm doing that way before we ever get to the point where it might be, there might be tension. Right. This needs to happen as a regular exactly. way of operating. Exactly. So that- you have enough relational change in your pocket that when yes. the tension point happens, it's not a new thing. Exactly. So that yeah. and that so that way it's it's not personal at that point. Um, right. It may feel emotional to that person, but it's not personal because now you've proven that um, you actually you you do have their best interest. You are honoring in the way you approach it. So this has to be like a consistent habitual thing. So I I would I would be doing that all the time. And I'm trying to understand then what their thought process is. Um, so the other option is, or the other thing is I would always, um, depending on who the, who the leader is, um, a lot of leaders like options. So mm-hmm. instead of giving them sort of an ultimatum, they actually prefer an option or options. So yeah. it might be that you approach them and say, listen, based on where we are, here's the two ways we can move forward. Based on what you're wanting, um, and, and that's always really helpful because it's clear and it now mm-hmm. gives me the ability to um, not feel like you're pushing me into a corner as a leader. Yeah, that is so helpful. I think, you know, we've talked a lot around here about, um, about leading up and just strategies for that because I know that we do want, you know, as, as leaders of teams within the larger organization, everybody wants to be a part of the greater vision. Everybody yep. wants to see things move forward. So, you know, in some cases, I think it's just sometimes having to realize clarity around what even that is. Like for some smaller churches, they may not they may not have a clear strategic step-by-step vision of of where they're headed. So, 
Um, talk about the importance of that for a minute. Like even, even within a team, the importance of how to communicate that to maybe new volunteers or yeah. people who are, you know, new to the church or, you know, however that looks, just the importance of vision overall and how we move the needle on that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it is cr- crucial. And I mean, I, again, I think the, the, the challenge is always that we, on a team in general, this is not just production people, it's just people in, in the world. Yeah. There always is a, is a, is a, a, a tendency, a temptation, whatever you want to call it, that we want to sort of build our own little kingdom. We, we, we like to have common enemies. You know, we, we like to sort of hmm. stand alone and say, listen, you know, we're the production team and we know better. So um, we, we love our senior pastor, but, you know, we're going to kind of create our own little like holy huddle over here. Man, yeah. that, is, that, is a, that is a recipe for disaster. It, it's the reason that so many youth ministries end up like then splitting from a church because they started out with the same vision. Then they yeah. turned into like something different, and the chasm just continued to widen. So their own little si- their own little silo turns into an island. Yes, because you got it, it excludes everybody else. Yeah, you got it. So I think a really good practice on this is I want whoever is the tone setter for vision. Again, with if that's the nonprofit executive director or the senior pastor, whoever that is, I'm going to bring them into to our circles as much as possible, and let them actually like share that vision. Um, and make sure that there's never a, a feeling that we're on two different wavelengths here. Um, right. And sometimes, here's what happens a lot of times, is they'll say, hey, I appreciate that. I trust you. You can, you can, you can share that vision as, as well as I can. Um, and at that point, then, you have permission then to carry that vision on your own to your team, but really always make them feel welcome. I think a lot of times we look... Leaders look at the production team and go, I don't know what they're doing over there. Right. I have no idea what they're doing. Like, I don't understand their world. So I don't feel welcome to actually, like, show up and hang out and actually, like, um, create some relational equity and cast vision. So, Man, that's so good. Because I think for most production teams, they would crave yes. the leader to be around. Like, I want you to sit at the table with us in a, in a green room meeting. I want you to engage with what we're doing because we want to hear like because we want to help you be creative in the way you're trying to execute whatever the next thing is yes. whether it's a sermon series or whether it's a maybe it's a special prop or a creative moment or we can, we want to help you be able to brainstorm some of those ideas we don't want it to be us and them we don't want there to be a, a gap between what's happening on stage and what's happening in the booth we want there to be a bridge yep you know so but the the trouble is and you know i've talked a lot about building bridges in that way the bridge needs to be able to withstand the weight of truth mm, that's good and so i think if if you have that trust relationship that relational capital whatever however you want to categorize it in your mind if you're starting to build trust over time then that bridge can be built and it can withstand when it gets into the heat of the moment yep because like you said it's not personal it's not that I don't like you or I don't I don't like the vision. It's no, we're gonna we're gonna get this done. We're gonna make a decision, but there might be tension, and that's okay because it's not about how I feel about you. It's just about my ideas for the best way to get this thing done. Yes, and the question always of how do we how do we make sure that that other other teams in a church context don't just see the tech team. As the you know, the nerds uh, you know, mo- moving the needles and turning right. the knobs, and again, like that, that's built by relational equity. Totally, and and it's built from honestly, our tribe of sometimes introvert yep. nerds <laughs> coming out of their shell a little bit, yes, to take the first step, exactly. and that's a challenge for some people because they they like sneaking in the back door dressed in all black, just kind of doing their thing and leaving. And it's like, no, at some point you need to engage. You need to you need to dig into maybe something that's outside your comfort zone and take a step. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I learned, hey, by the way, I learned early on 
Again, never throw the never throw the production team under the bus. <laughs> that is a rule number have, one of of. We have the power to make your life miserable. <laughs> oh my gosh, communicators! Anybody listening that's a communicator or a teacher or you got a mic on, that is that is rule number one of of just appropriate teamwork with the tech team. That's so it's, good. It's never their fault. I mean, it's your fault. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you know. Yeah. That's so good. So tell everybody a little bit about what your um, what your role is now. I know that you're um, you have become sort of an influencer and a voice in Christian leadership circles. Um, so tell everybody about H three and the book and what the strategy is behind sort of the three H's in your world. Yeah, it was it was a second book for me, um, but it was always sort of a leadership mantra. Um, you know, so the title H three: Be humble, stay hungry, always hustle. Those three H's: humble, hungry, hustle. Um, you know, they they made a really good book title because they, you know, it's catchy. They're all H. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's very memorable. Um, but it really was a mantra before it was a title. And uh, you know, I think the 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 key on those from a leadership side is all three of those legs have to have to be I mean, the, the, all three of those as a leg of the stool have to be equalized. And okay. we know a lot of we know a lot of leaders who have tons of humility and they don't do anything. <laughs> right. So they they understand it's not about them. Like they've got the posture down right. They they make other people the hero, but they don't actually execute. They do, they don't get anything done. And then you've got the other side, which is the hustler who is who is not balanced out by humility that it's all about them. Just steamrolling everybody. Yeah. Exactly. So the equilibrium of these three legs is really, really crucial, um, and so you know that the the premise of of the book is that there's 20 habits that sort of fall into those three buckets, and this was this was a this was a, a re I would say a um, a realignment for me in my own leadership journey back in 2015 or so 2014 that I had just gotten a bit dysfunctional, and so I had to sort of recapture. Hey, here's the habits. Here's the things I need to be clear on that I'm going to be an effective leader for the, you know, for the long haul. Um, and, you know, I can jump into some of those things within each of the buckets, but that's the overall idea is that these three buckets are to me, again, the, the primary sort of like big areas and categories of leadership that I want to focus on. That's great. So, um, first of all, it's a good thing that you only have 20 habits because you know, since John was such an influence on your life, and he's the one less. twenty-one yeah. irrefutable laws of leadership, yeah. you got twenty. So he's still kind of yeah, on he's top, still which is I, good. You got to let John win. There's no question about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, just his voice. Like you just have to let hey, friend. the boom, hey, friend. The, the booming voice of John Maxwell. Jeff, just sort Jeff. Of you know, I love you. You know, I love you, Jeff. You're the you're oh. you're the best man. You're the best, Jeff Sandstrom. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Um, so let's talk, let's talk for a few minutes about those habits because we don't need to go through all 20, yeah, but yeah. give us some highlights because right now, actually our, our tribe is in the middle of, um, we call it the MXU 75. It's sort of a, it's a health challenge to kick off the year between basically January, end of January and Easter. Got so it. it's a 75 day challenge where we, we stack habits every five days. So some of them are health, some of them are about prayer and Bible study. Some of them are about diet and exercise. So it's just a, this is a great conversation to sort of reframe how we might think of habits mm. because we all know that it takes a long time to build a habit. But for those of us who are in this journey of developing some healthy habits, give us the top couple from each of the categories, each yeah. of the legs of the stool on what you would say, like, this is what an effective leader does every day yeah. or every week or whatever those rhythms are. Yeah, I'll start with humility, uh, self-awareness, the habit of self-awareness, which is you're constantly getting to, to know yourself better. Um, that is, that's crucial. And this is in vogue today more than ever before, but I really right. do, again, you have to become a student of yourself. So the habit meaning like take every single personality test you can find. Um, ask people around you, you know, what's true about me? Like you're, you're becoming a student because... Obviously, if you can't lead yourself, you can't lead others, and you, you have to know the way you're wired. Yeah, there there are certain things about you that are true about you. 
I think in that regard, one of the one of the most effective things that our friend Jeff Henderson said to his staff a few years ago was he challenged each of them to ask each other, what is it like to be on the other side of me? Yes. Great question. And that that question to huge. me is just like, oh my gosh, it's huge. Because for people who aren't self-aware, just getting that feedback from others is a great first step. Yes. Yeah, the congruency, right? The congruency between what I think of myself and right. what's and what others do. And or or what the Enneagram might say about me. Or, exactly. You know, because a lot of people when they do the personality things, as informative as they can be, they get stuck in, well, that's just who I am. And so I can't do anything about it because I'm a, yep. I'm a nine. And yep. so I have to be soft and I'm all about peace. And it's like, no, as a nine, I've had to realize that. The best way to peace happens through conflict. Yep. And it's it's the most tense thing that I can do is be in conflict. But I know that for me to lead myself well, I have to get through the conflict to get to the peace. So good. And so anyway, that's a small example of, of how a personality slash sort of temperament test is a is can be a crutch in a bad way, but can be a great thing in a good way. Yes. Yeah, because what we can't do is we can't stay where we can't stay there. Meaning, I'm a three on the enneagram. Oh, I'm a ch- I'm a I'm an I'm a I'm an ambitious guy, so I'm going to run over people. Right. No, wrong answer. Right. Like that's where I start, but I can't right. stay there. I, that, it's not an excuse to to just say, well, that's the way I'm wired. So like it or love it, you can hit the road. Well, especially if your impression of it is the dysfunctional side of <laughs> yes. whatever that number is. Exactly. Right? Because yeah. there's a really healthy three that is a great leader. Yes. So it's it's interesting. Okay, so the self-awareness thing is huge. Yeah, the other thing in humility is um, just really being clear on on purpose and what I would call a habit, a habit of assignment. And a lot of us in the Christian world, we use vernacular about calling. Mm. And I, I would say calling is more the 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 why your the the why on your life. And assignment is the what you do. So you have to be really Man, clear. That is so good. You got to be really clear that um, that you're you're not allowing your what to become your why. And really bad if your what becomes your who. Oh, so, preach. So that you know the the pastor world, we get really. I just I hear all these pastors saying I'm called to, you know, First Baptist Des Moines, Iowa. No, 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 no. You're you're using the wrong language. You're assigned to First Baptist Des Moines. Because mm-hmm. what happens in five years when you leave and go to First Baptist Omaha, you, right. you change assignments. You didn't change your calling. Your calling is still, right. is still something that's... calling is to lead people to Jesus or yeah, whatever, exactly. whatever the specifics are for you as a pastor. Yeah. So that's a big one in, so the, in the humble. Because once you get that, man, like you walk around with a sense of contentment now. Hmm. Based on whatever season you're in, you can be faithful to that season. You can, you can still like have riverbanks that you're, you're sort of moving forward with direction wise. Uh, but you don't get like you know this sense of angst. There's a lot of people with angst today uh, because they they haven't narrow they haven't wrestled down that 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 big old elephant in the room of of identity calling and assignment. So that's humility. I'll go to hunger if you want me to. So good. Yeah, please. Hunger. I mean, every great leader I've known, Jeff, and you've you, you've met a bunch of these people. Um, they're really curious. They they walk into any green room. Let's just use that, mm-hmm. and they're the big deal. But they walk in with that hungry second mindset hmm. that everybody else is 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 a big deal in the room, and now I'm there to actually learn from them. And so, so they good. they lead with questions. They're 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 insatiably curious, and you know John Maxwell is a great example of this. I mean, you can't have a conversation with John where he's where you're going to outquestion him. He will outquestion everybody in every conversation because he just has a natural, like, insatiable appetite to learn. Um, so this constant mindset of I never arrive, I'm always getting better, and I, and the way I do that is based on curiosity. And by the way, for any young leader. This might be the greatest shortcut to influence. Totally. Is really good question asking. You know, the, the way you lead up is great questions. Yeah. So do you have any like 
specific questions. Like if I'm the if I'm the TD at a church and maybe I'm a new hire and I want to begin to have some of that influence with the senior leader. Yep. What are some really good starting questions? Not just like icebreaker. Yeah. How are you doing kind of thing? Yeah. It's like, hey, how are you is one thing, but no, what's up? Yeah. Well, I I really like the question. This this one works for me, um, whether I know somebody, I'm just meeting somebody or I've known them for a while, is what are you most excited about right now? You know, what mm. what's what's something that you're really energized by? Um, it opens up a lot of opportunities there for them to share something. Um, what's your story is always a great question to ask. Tell me more about your story. I don't know your story. I'd like to know more about your story. Um, you know, what's frustrating? Here, here's one. I mean, especially, again, thinking about how you lead up. What is, is there something I'm doing that you would, that you would like for me to quit doing? Or is there, is there something <laughs> about my leadership or the way that I'm, I'm navigating my, my friendship with you that is not working for you? Like, just the premise that you're giving people permission to speak back into you. And a lot of times, depending on where you are in the food chain, um, if, if, you're, if, if, you're, um, if you're asking that of somebody who works for you, they will say to you, oh, you're amazing. Mm. You're unbelievable. I love everything about you. And then like 50 <laughs> times later, they'll finally say, well, there was that one time. There is um, that one thing. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's so good. Well, I love that because I think there's a couple of things in there that are inherent about good questions. One is they're not prescriptive. Yes. So you don't, you're not asking a question with a desired answer in mind. In other words, having that open-ended nature of the question is great. Like, what are you excited about right now? Because then it gets them talking about something that they're actually interested in and excited about. So it's it, it already puts them on a good footing yes. to respond to your question. And certainly they're not yes or no questions. And you know, it really is coming from this place of, I truly want to learn. Yes. Like it's, you know, it, it's not a, okay, if I get this answer, then I'll have this sort of leverage. No, it's not about that at all. Yeah. Honor. It's so good. Honor. You always honor someone when you ask them a good question every yeah. time, because what you're doing it's is so you're good. saying, I care and I want to know, I want to, I, I want you to be an expert in this exchange. And anytime right. somebody takes the role of an expert in a conversation, um, they feel more connected, and you actually gain influence every single time. Man, that's going to be so helpful for people. All right, so what's our next habit for hungry? Well, the 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 idea we have of the curiosity piece, and then where do we go from there? Yeah, I mean ambition, and again, for me, the the habit of am, the habit of of godly ambition, and I want to put that you know that that's a key piece of the ambition. Bucket. All right, so how do we differentiate? Or how do we see godly versus ungodly, um, or not, not not ungodly, but maybe God less or yeah. God yeah. Uh, not at the forefront? Yeah, and I think it really it 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 starts with a, a, a delineation based on: um, Am I helping someone else win? Am mm-hmm. I adding value to others? Is my ambition uh, focused on somebody other than me, compared to that I am the I am the, uh, I, I'm, you know, all the ambition is going to flow back to me. And mm. there's nothing wrong. I don't think there's something that is godless about healthy ambition. You know, and, th- and this is, this is, again, it's a tension point. The, the, yeah. the line between those two is really thin. But I, I think it has to, it has to come back to that question of the, you know, like the for what question. Am I, am I, am I, you know, am I working hard on this or am I, am I pursuing the next rung of the career ladder? Um, because I want Mm. to, I want to gain from this or is it because if I gain that next level that I'll be able to help more people, that I'll be able to actually like influence more people. So it's, it's tricky, but that's one that I get the most questions on, on. Yeah. Well, there's so many things where that line is razor thin. Razor thin. Because the difference between, you know, confidence and pride, you got the it. difference between, you know, whatever, whatever the, whatever the dichotomy is, it's like, man, there, 
you know, the godly side, the the healthy side, the you know, even even humility. It's like, what's the difference between biblical humility and just soft weakness? Like it's yep. it's not it's not the same thing, but the line can be really, really thin. That's great clarity. It is. And it's a that's the hard that might be one of the hardest ones to to navigate effectively. Um and we and, and again, sometimes in the church we we don't we act like we're not ambitious, but then we go and create like these other silos to be ambitious in. Right. It's just passive aggressive behavior at that point. Exactly. You're just trying to leverage people to get your own way. And that's that's yeah. I mean, I'd not rather, godly ambition. I'd rather work with somebody I'd rather work with somebody who looks at me and goes, Listen, I, I basically want to like I want to take you out. Like I I am going to be very clear from the beginning. <laughs> compared to them my goal act- in life is for you not to be here anymore. Yeah, I mean, compared to them acting like they're for me, and then behind the scenes, they're they're throwing me under the bus. Uh, that's so good, man. Yeah, because that happens all the time, all the time. And we we and we and it's so justify funny because it. in the church, yeah, in the church, we use the church and God and religion and all those things as a way to sort of mask. Yep, that motivation. It's like. Yeah, it's so unhealthy. Yeah. Man, that's so good. All right, so let's move to our third leg of the stool. Yeah, hustle. So a couple of, couple of habits there. I mean, obviously the standard of excellence habit. So, you know, the, pers- the pursuit of perfection, even though you probably won't hit it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really important, obviously, in, in the production and, and tech space, because yeah. you, you automatically... I don't care if you're if you're in a church of fifty or fifty thousand. There is an assumption on your role that you will be the best in the world, even if you just started yeah. like ten minutes ago. Yeah, it's tough. We talk about that a lot around here because it is easy for this crew to have perfection as the bar. Yep. And the problem is when you work with volunteers and you work with people who aren't vocational in this and you know, they're just kind of struggling to figure out how the stuff works, much less how to execute it well. It's like the way I've said it is, you know, there's a there's a distinction between excellence and perfection. Yeah. Because if if the standard is excellence, then I really believe that's worship. Yes. If the standard is perfection, that can turn to idolatry too easily. Really good. And so I want to maintain a healthy balance between that line. Again, sometimes that line is razor thin. I love when a service happens and nobody misses a cue. But there are times when people are going to miss a cue. Either there's a change in planning center that didn't get communicated, or the worship leader is going to flow and nobody realized that that was going to happen, so pro presenter op puts up the wrong slide. It's like, those things happen. Yep. But from the heart, we're striving to be as excellent as we can be. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's just a distinction that I want to make no, it's for really this good. tribe in particular, because it's too easy for perfection yes. to become what we chase. And it's it's too it's too difficult to reach. Yeah. And 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 I would say part of this habit is again, even folks who are who are tapping into your expertise, like get around people who are really good at what they do. Yes. You you don't want to be the the you know the expert in every room you're in. You want to you want to level up. You want to walk into places. You want to feel like look. You look around and go, oh my gosh, like how do I get in here? And then I don't know if I can like actually play at this level because the challenge of that is actually a very healthy thing. Yeah, and part of the reason that we started MXU in the first place was because Lee and Andrew and I, as audio mixers, wanted to challenge each other to get better. Yep. It was like, hey, tell me what you're doing to get that sound. What are you doing to do this thing at your church? What does this a- approach to your vocal sound look like so that I can use it to help my craft? I mean, that's the whole reason for MXU in the first place is to have an open-handed, humble approach mm. to be able to learn from people who are better than you, equal to you, worse than you, whatever the case may be, we can always learn from each other. And that's my other habit in the hustle. Okay. This, this is the part of hustle that makes it um, not not like cultural hustle. Okay. That you, and, and I would say generosity, abundance mindset, collaboration, and we'll get into rest and margin in a second, but 
Um, the hustler, the, the, the godly hustler is somebody who is, who is truly abundance-minded. So as soon as you have something that you've learned, you automatically start to think, how do I give this away to others? Man, that is that is so good. This is this is the difference. Like I'm going to hustle as I'm going to work my guts out, but I'm also going to be so generous and abundant and and not see people as competition that I'm I'm willing to be open source with everything that I've learned and that's the difference. This is the this is the hustler that again is is the the you know, the new and improved hustler. Um so you're collaborate you're collaborative, you know, all those other churches in your city you're saying to them, hey, anything we have, you can have it. Anything we've learned, you, we'd love for you. We'd love for you to steal all of our our secrets. Um, that that's, that's the mindset so of a of a good of a good posture of hustle. Golly, what would happen if the local church had that mindset about other churches? Yeah, exactly. I mean, can you imagine? Like, because so often people feel like they're their stream is the only one that has it all figured out and nobody else is welcome. And it's like, guys, yeah, we've got to get over that mindset because how much more impact could we have? How much more reach could we have if we would collaborate and cooperate and share best practices and creativity? And I mean, that would move the church forward in untold ways. And who who has to model this is... Everybody needs to model it, but I really would challenge that the largest and most influential need to be the ones who model it first. Yeah, lead it. Yep. Lead it. That's so good. Okay, so those are two great sort of tips on hustle. Yeah. But you mentioned a minute ago, rest and margin. So yep. tell me how that fits in, because a lot of people who have a hustle mindset don't rest very well. Yeah. And they yes. don't have a lot of margins. Yes. So Talk talk about that for a minute. Well, and, and rest is, you know, are you are you crushing it at at uh, working hard and standards of excellence as much as you are resting and creating Sabbath and at a, a not balance but rhythm. This is this is crucial. Uh, balance. Okay, is, what's the difference? Balance is is not even possible. I don't think. I mean, there might be a point in your life where you feel balanced, but. Um, rhythm is more important. There's rhythms of season. There's rhythms, you know, when you have young kids, you're, it's just crazy town. Um, when you launch something, when you start something, when you're a, when you're an entrepreneur and you start a new company, the, the rhythm of that season is going to be, you're, you're going to redline a lot more. Um, so the idea that you have rest is both, you have regular rest, but you also have a, a mindset of, of rest and Sabbath. And it, mm. so it, but, as soon as we start getting into regulation of that, again, that feels like it's rules, then we tend to like lose sight of it and we don't hit the mark. So give yourself permission, but you've, you've got to like, this, this is the downside of everybody who's wired to be a hustler and they go, oh, Brad, I got it. Like, I got that one figured out. Is my, my response immediately is, well, let's talk about, let's talk about how you're actually recovering. Yeah. How you're resting, how you're creating margin, Sabbath, and by the way, margin is is very similar to rest, but margin is is time, basically that gives you opportunity, uh, and it doesn't okay. have to always be time, but it could be. So just again, think if your schedule has margin, now you can respond to That's moments. So good. Um, yeah. If if you know vacation is margin, that now you can create memories with your family. Um, financial margin gives you opportunities to be generous. So that's where those things, those two connect. That's so good. When I think about margin, you know, I use a production analogy of headroom, you know, in a, in a signal, in a microphone or in a video shot or, you know, certain aspects of production. We talk about headroom. It mm -hmm. gives you the space above the, you know, the activity level below the red line for there to be, you know, Andy, Andy always talked about, you know, people try to live too close to the line. Yes. And if you step over the line morally, you're going to fall off a cliff. No, you take a couple steps back from the line so that if you mess up or if you step over that self-imposed line, it's not a disaster. So it's the same kind of thing. It's like margin for me is, is headroom. That's good. So, that's so good.
That's so good. Yeah. So that that's that's a pretty good overview of the of of the three H's right there. Man. Well, I think you know we talked about I guess six total of the twenty. So I can only imagine that the other fourteen yeah. are equally as as great. So what's the best way for people to get a hold of this content and dig in more? Is it just is the book on Amazon? Is it on your website? Like, yeah. how do they find the book, and how do they get connected to to what you're doing? Yeah, the books on the books anywhere. Um, you know, my website is uh, I have h3leadership.com and then bradlominick.com. Okay. I would go to h3leadership.com because that's actually where I do and I post all my podcast episodes. Podcast is free. It's it's the thing that I would love everybody to jump in on because it's free and great. You're already listening to a podcast. So yes. you, you, you're probably a podcast fan anyway. And and you've got conversations there with Andy Stanley, Louis Giglio, Craig Rochelle, all the all the thought leaders in our world have been on your podcast and will continue to be. So yeah. those episodes are great. And I think, you know, it's it's just a great resource. Do you have um with the book, are there like accompanying like study guide or discussion materials? Like would this be a good thing for a group to go through together? Yes, it is. It is good. I don't really have any great uh, resources for for sort of the the group experience. Um, we just sort of left it in the hands of leaders to figure that out. Um, yeah. But what 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 a lot of staffs have done is they've actually um, either read it as a staff or they've given it to the young leaders on their team and then allowed for the young leaders to sort of um, think around it and create some discussion, you know, and and then sort of figure out how to lead back up to some of the some of the executive team. So one more question about the three legs of the stool. You've got humble, hungry, and hustle. Are the are the degrees to which those are out of balance in most people, is that is that more personality based or is it is there a trend where in Christian leadership one of those legs is shorter than the others? It's a great typically? question. I don't know. I mean it's a really good question. Um you know that the it's interesting. Pat Lencioni, who wrote Five Dysfunctions and has written a bunch of books, he has a book called the Ideal the Ideal Team Player. Yeah, and he, great book. He actually uses humble, hungry, smart. Um, he actually took um, if you only have one or two of those and not all three, and created some some uh, sort of personalities or you know fi- in, in many ways like figurative characters uh-huh. that. Um, are dysfunctional. And I just tell everybody, like, go read his book and you can see the downside. Yeah. Because they're not exactly the same, but they're similar in terms of how he approaches it. So I didn't do that with my book, but yes, I mean, I would say probably the one that that tends to be over-indexed the most is hustle. Yeah. The Probably the one we need more of is humility. Yeah. Even though we should so have it good. as a, especially in the Christian community, we should. Right. That should be the one where where we that look at it kind go, of number one. Yes, yeah. we, we go. I got it. Like, yeah. That's that's so cool. Well, you know, when you look at when you look at Jesus, obviously he's the perfect leader and yeah. the ideal model for all of this stuff. But um, you know, for somebody to be the sort of the picture of humility, um, but to be strong in all those other areas too, it's like. Man, this this is a good, such a good lesson. Like I, I need to, I need to take this and and really stew on it some more and dig into the book more because um, I think what you've created is a really good kind of memorable uh, framework for how to think about effective leadership. So I can't well, thank, thank you enough for being here today. Yeah, it's so good to connect with you in this format. You know, we yeah we've talked around some of these ideas when we run into each other, but to actually get the the full download has been great. So Brad, thanks so much for this conversation. And I know people are going to love to learn from you. So other than the, other than the website and the podcast, um, give us your Instagram and other ways that people can follow you and stay in touch. Yeah. Just Brad Lominick on all the outlets, B-R-A-D-L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K. And I'm not a great follow because I don't really post that much. I do a lot of listening. (laughs) I do a lot more listening than I do posting. Yeah, it's okay to be an Instagram stalker. I mean, we all do <laughs> exactly. it, let's be honest. Exactly. That's great. Well, Brad, thanks so much. Yeah, and, thanks, um, Jeff. I hope to see you again in person soon. Listen, golf course, man. Come on, plan something. Let's Bro, go. I am all in. Let's do it. 